My name is Denis Villeneuve. This movie is a documentary about my subconscious. I was looking for a perfect image. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of uh, Story Screen Presents' new exclusive podcast, The Sweet, Sweet Denis Cast, uh, where I, Mike Burge, and um, my co-host, Robert Anderson, hello, we're going to be talking to you about the filmography of one Canadian director, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Denis Villeneuve is our sweet, sweet boy. Our sweet, sweet as, boy. As many might know if they've uh, listened to the cast before. Um, we've uh, covered a couple of his movies on some other things. We did a Blade Runner, ep- Blade Runner 24-9 episode. We did a Dune episode. Um, we absolutely love him. We've talked, uh, we talked a lot about him on inexplicably our most popular episode which is uh, Sicario Day of the Soldado not directed by Denis Villeneuve no. but um, a, a sequel to a Denis Villeneuve movie uh, we talked about him a lot on that one and also on random episodes where we've talked about a lot of like random stuff and everything like that uh, he comes up you know we 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 stan Denis very hard on this uh, on this whole show uh, so this new miniseries, uh, which is going to be exclusively released on our exclusive content feed, um, is going to cover the entire filmography of Denis Villeneuve, um, two movies at a time. Just starting at the beginning and boom, 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 going on through. Uh, me and Robbie, uh, I don't want to speak for you right off the gate, but uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I'm also, I'm excited for the whole series. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the earliest Sweet Denis movie I've seen in his filmography. Maybe, maybe Enemy, I'm not sure, maybe Prisoners, but, uh, yeah. even just watching these two movies that we were about to talk about, I was pleasantly surprised because I feel like so often you see a director's like first feature or first few features and you're like, oh, this is cool as like, you know, seeing where they got started. But, you know, it's, it's not always like... You don't always get Memento out of it, you know. And Memento's not even uh, Nolan's first movie, too, right? Like, you know, you right, don't... Yeah, he did following, yep. Yeah, so you don't always get, like, the, the hit, you know. But I feel like these two movies uh, slap very, like, very hard. I think they are very, very good yeah. movies. It's yes. I, I think that me and you are both in the same camp where we have seen pretty much all of Denis Villeneuve's... Um, English-speaking American film, starting with Prisoners, Enemy, yep. Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, and Dune. Yes. Um, but the first two episodes of this are going to focus on his uh, foreign language films. Foreign language. Uh, of which I have heard um, pretty great things about uh, the two movies that we're going to be covering in the next episode, uh, Polytechnique and Incendies, I've heard great things about them. I've always wanted to watch them, and I'm always just saving them off to the side to, like, really take them in. Um, surprisingly, those movies always seem to come up where I want to watch them uh, when I'm in the middle of watching all of our best of 
of the year uh, kind of stuff, like towards the end of the year. Some For some reason, they just keep coming up, and we're doing that currently right now. We're getting our best of 2021, which um, we're going to talk about some of that stuff in this episode, too, uh, just for fun. Yeah. First um, episode of the year, I think. Yeah. So, it's yeah. It's the first episode of 2022. Yeah, so got a lot to talk about. Uh, but today we are going to be talking about uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, directorial debut, uh, August 32nd on Earth from 1998, and his follow-up from 2000, Maelstrom. Uh, both um, genre pieces in and of themselves that you might not think that someone like Denis Villeneuve, if you're more familiar with his English-speaking American movies uh, would be into, because one of them is Denis Villeneuve's take on a romantic comedy, uh, and the other is uh, a a pretty artsy, independent kind of drama that kind of gave me a lot of Yorgo Lanthimos vibes. A little bit. Oh yeah, Maelstrom is is heavy. Right. Yeah. Your yeah. You knew vibes. exactly which one I was talking about with that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. But we're going to talk about those two. Uh, neither of us had seen them beforehand. Um, surprisingly for me, someone who likes to boast that they know everything about movies, I'd never Ooh. even heard of these. Uh, I've I've heard about Polytechnique and Incendies. His next two that kind of really got him recognition. Uh, and fame on the circuit that would allow him to be able to make something like Prisoners and Enemy in one year and just kind of blast on off. Um, we watched them. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to shoot the can right off the bat right here and just Ooh. say they're very good. They're very good movies. They're so good. I think, you know, uh, the inside baseball of this of this episode is during the holidays. Mike and I were extremely busy. We were supposed to record this a month ago. And I think we did. We watch the movies in November. I uh, or was December. I, we were planning. We on watched them. They had oh, to be fuck. in November because we were planning on this. We being December 1st. I think we were planning on it being December 1st. Or did we? I can't even remember right now. I think it, I think that it was supposed December to be has December. been such a a wild ride of movies yeah. for me, like trying to catch up on twenty twenty one movies and stuff. But I think the initial idea was that we Dune came out in October. We recorded our hot take on Dune, and we were like, for November first, instead of jumping into our new series, because on the exclusive channel we do different series, and we just got done with eight bits. Yeah. In uh, October, uh, which we covered a bunch of uh, video game to movie adaptations. Um, and we wanted to do something that was more filmography based, like our first series, uh, Stalking Carpenter, where we covered all of John Carpenter's movies two at a time. We wanted to get back to basics. Uh, yeah. So I think you're right. I think that we we recorded uh, the Dune 2021 podcast in late October we recorded a special episode on David Lynch's Dune for November 1st and we were supposed to record this for December 1st but everybody got really busy we had yeah. to push a lot of exclusive content all throughout the uh, the month and now we're doing this now even later into January with the intention <laughs> of releasing it simultaneously on our exclusive content and publicly 
to fill a gap in uh, public uh, podcast posting and also kind of maybe get people jived on it. Um, yeah. Which, if this is the first episode of Story Screen Presents that you've ever listened to, weird pick. Um, I, yeah. I don't see a lot of people searching for August 32nd on Earth no, in their I was gonna podcast say, it's, review. It may be safe to assume that if you're listening to this, you have not seen these movies. Um, they're a little hard to find. You have to get movie. On Amazon Prime, which, which you like, should get because movie's great. I yeah, I mean, it I got a movie like this. for this, and I've I've watched a lot of movies on movie so far. It's there's a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, I mean, if it has these two movies, it's worth the five dollars alone. Um, and yeah, it was like I, it was a little hard for me to even get it to like work, but uh, I was very once I like actually got these movies started and started watching them, I I really liked it. But yeah, to to, to jump in August August thirty second on Earth, jump uh, jump jump. Yeah, his take on romantic comedy. Uh, I remember like the way it started off. I was like not I, I did I wasn't quite sure where it was going or like what we're doing. It starts off like you know it's a pretty. Oh wait, does it? How does it start? I might, I might be getting that ML I'm confused. But um, August thirty second on Earth starts with an amazing car crash, a, a car crash that is okay. shot so yes. specifically and evenly. And so what we were building up to there is that we watched these movies in November. Uh, like That's, like mid to late November, and we yeah. are recording right now on January fifth. So it's um, a little fuzzy. They're a little fuzzy. Please don't turn the the episode off. We remember <laughs> these movies. We will be able to yes. talk about them. However, there are certain elements of these movies that are very similar. Yeah, that make them kind of hard to parse out because one. If one of them was bad and one of them was good, I'd be able to really tell the difference between 100%. them. But they're they're, they're both, both really good. awesome. They're both really good. <laughs> yeah. And they're both kind of they have the same kind of you can tell that this is a Denis Villeneuve movie, which is really weird. Um from having seen all of his English speaking American films, you watch these and you go, "Oh shit, I can see a little bit of Prisoners and Arrival in there." And especially in August 32nd on Earth, it's there's a lot going on in there. There's um, a scene in there that I'm like, that's Dune. Like they're basically this is like this is like one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's kind it's of funny that his first movie uh, is does very, it all. very yeah. sand oriented. Yeah, it's very um, sand oriented for sure. But for but, everybody who's listening who hasn't seen the movies, and also probably for our own venture, which I think is something that you were about to jump into, let's do a plot synopsis on August thirty second on Earth. Like what what's 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 this movie about? So, uh, you know, the IMDb plot synopsis is after surviving a car wreck, uh, virtually unscathed, a young model compels her best friend to impregnate her at the Salt Flats in Utah. So, you know, she has a near death experience and it kind of thrusts her into being wanting to do something with her life. And she hits to her best friend. and It's just like, you should you should impregnate me. And then the way the kind of movie follows is that, you know, her best friend is just like, I don't want to do that. I don't know. And then you kind of realize that he's actually been in love with her their entire friendship because they've been friends for so long. Um, and yeah, you know, the, it, it starts off a little weird and it's kind of like a will they, won't they, but uh, it's, it is really cute. The way it ends is a, such a fucking bummer. Um, not to spoil the movie mm -hmm. for anyone. As I see, I do think you should see the movie, but uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a bummer of a romantic comedy, I would say. Yeah, it's the, it's, 
I, I feel like it's a fun play on the will they, won't they aspect of romantic comedies that's existed since like the mid 80s, like with something like When Harry Met Sally, which early, early 90s and stuff like that. But like even going back to, you know, romantic comedies like in the sense in the 80s, but like really kind of being formed in the early 90s with things like When Harry Met Sally and uh, Sleepless in Seattle and all these things. Like it's kind of funny to look at this as Denis Villeneuve as this this little tiny trickster filmmaker being like my first movie. I am going to make a romantic comedy that and this is the internet's favorite word, subverts <gasps> all of the tropes of what a romantic comedy is. And I feel like one of the biggest ones that he subverts in it kind of thematically and all throughout is the the whole idea of the will they, won't they. Because at, for me at least, and I think intentionally for the viewers, you, you don't necessarily want them to have sex and get her pregnant yeah but you're also kind of like will they or won't they but you're kind of like you don't know which one you want because obviously he's not into this and you're not exactly sure if she's actually really into this because she just went through like this insane trauma that is making her make all these choices which again is another thing that's very similar to maelstrom and is also kind of connected to um pregnancy in a way um it's 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 just a very ridiculous idea that when I read the synopsis before I watched the movie, I was like, what the fuck is this going to be? And you have an idea of that movie in your head when you know that synopsis, you know, a, a, a woman is going through a midlife crisis and, uh, wants to have a baby. So she asks her best friend from growing up a man, uh, to impregnate her, no strings attached or anything, because she just wants to have a baby. And what's gonna what? happen? <laughs> uh, that's not what this movie is at all. No. It's no. it's very um, it, it juices that concept for some very good dark comedy for quite a while, and even some light comedy. Uh, but overall, ends up being much more about honesty and trust between people that you know family and friends and also just like what's expected of people and what's proper and what's right and it's it's kind of like this odd young person and and in this case a young sweet sweet denis an even sweeter denis in some ways even sweeter denis um kind of commentary on just like how we are supposed to uh talk to one another and how we're supposed to interact with one another and what's proper and what's not and all of that stuff. It's uh it's extremely funny. Uh it looks Chef's Kiss like a dream. It is shot so well. The it man is it, so like the, good. the opening car crash is in and of itself of a a a for lack of a better word, even though it's it's extremely trite to use and even though extremely trite is also a really trite thing to say, uh, yes. it's a revelation. You're just like, if that's the first scene, mm-hmm. that's the opening scene of the first movie that Denis Villeneuve has ever made, that is a fucking opening. Because he shoots a car crash in a way that I've never seen before. Yeah. 
and really haven't seen replicated. This movie was made in 1998. This movie is, uh, 23 years old. Uh, sorry for the fart noise out of my mouth into that microphone, guys. Um, <laughs> it was a noise, not a fart. It's, it's insane. It, it, the, like, as she slowly falls asleep and the car kind of wiggles and then you get that amazing shot, like, off of the front hood facing uh, the driver's seat as, like, she's going over the lines. It's yes. crazy. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, the whole movie looks so God damn good. I had to like, I remember I had to like check when it was made. Like, multi- I was like, really? 1998? Like, this movie? Really? 19 19- This movie? Really? And yeah, yeah it just, it, it feels very, uh, visually, it feels very ahead of its time. And then it's like, its story in a way like feels timeless. Like, I, I feel like it's the story of like, you know, uh, two best friends and like who would do anything for each other and then someone asks the kind of like in in some ways the ultimate ask is is not that new of a narrative you know and it's not that old of a narrative like it's or it's it's like timeless in some ways i should say yeah and um yeah and i just think that their their interactions are like super fun and like seeing um the male lead i'm going to look up his name uh philippe seeing him just kind of like struggle with like his like He's in a relationship and struggling with, like, how he feels about his best friend and how he's always felt. And it seems that he kind of, like, had put that relationship in the past or put those budding romance feelings, like, in the past. And they've kind of re-immersed. And it's interesting to have this character who, like, you know, he – the reason he doesn't want to do it is because he's in love with her. You know? Yeah. Like, that's what keeps him from wanting to do it. And I think that's, like, so sweet and unique. Like, it's so sweet, so sweet, sweet Denis. It's so sweet to have this this male character who's just, like – well, yeah, I don't want I don't want to do this because I really I really like you. And he's he's down to be like, let's like keep pushing it as far as possible. You know, it's like I was like, oh, yeah, go to Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, they really anything that too. prolongs yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, personally, for me, as someone who's lived um, a wild little life, um, you know, I, I have uh, one of my best friends in the absolute world, uh, Tiffany. Um, we've been we've been really really good friends since we were like meow, 14 15 years old when we met working at a, uh, a like a haunted mansion in um in upstate New York and uh we grew closer and closer and closer as like there was just no um there was just no uh passionate or sexual connections between us at all and I think that that was one of the first kind of relationships that we had with like someone of the opposite gender, uh, where it was just like, I don't want any of that with you. I just yeah. really like hanging out with you. And it was kind of eye opening and, um, really good for me growing and stuff like that. And we, we remain close to this day. We separated as, you know, like she's started a family and has a huge, yeah. awesome job and she's great. Uh, and I'm doing my own like kind of dumb shit where I have an amazing relationship and I'm doing my stupid um, movie theater web- website podcast thing. Yeah. Um, owning, owning a business in one of the most like bustling sure. towns in New York State. Yeah, it's fine. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Wanna, wanna, mm-hmm. You're dumb. You're dumb yeah. stuff that you do. I'm dumb and I do dumb <laughs> things. Uh, but it's it, it was uh, for me like watching that it was just like you know there was there would always be people that would be like are you guys like an item are you guys like a yeah. thing have you ever thought about it and she's the closest thing that I have to a sister and I have multiple women in my life that you know 
it, 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 it kind of feels weird because it almost feels like I'm objectifying them like in my memory as like, mm-hmm. well, they are a woman that I'm not sexually attracted to. So therefore, they yeah. must be this weird kind of icon, which I've never thought of them as. But like I have multiple people in my life that are like that. And it's it's interesting that this movie kind of brings up a lot of the things that were brought up to us as like friends like it was like well what about this have you tried it would you just like i don't know give it a go and i feel like when people say that they don't really kind of take into the weight of what and this is something that a lot of uh romantic comedies have especially teen romantic comedies have like kind of set in on is that sex changes everything and it's it's a very super intimate thing and you can be the most intimate with a person who's a close friend with you, but sex is a completely different level, even though it's kind of this abstract and ultimately useless thing, this act that you can do. It's it's so much less than being a friend. You know what I mean? I it's mean, like I think... It, I feel like that's something that this movie's kind of getting at, where it's just like the friendship that these two have and the support that they can give one another is just so much more than the romance that one of them might want to have. Whereas the other one is just like, I just want a sexual act to get pregnant. I don't want any romance coming in on this, but yeah. that's kind of the age old thing of like no you if you have that kind of connection you cannot just have sex with zero romance you have way too much history going on there yeah and it's these two people coming from different points one person who's extremely pessimistic and negative and downtrodden and depressed and should probably fucking go see somebody just being like this is what i want to do sex for this and another person who's kind of caught up in this being like yeah but like that's going to fucking change everything. Like, don't you understand? And, you know, he even comes up with this gigantic, like them having, yeah, having it's his sex idea, in the salt right? lens. Yeah. It's his idea to like, just do like, Oh, uh, what's a thing that's so far away. There's no way we could do it. The salt lands in the desert. Yeah. And she's like, great. We're going to buy tickets right Sounds now. Great. And we're going to go. And it's like, Oh, whoop, whoop. Mm. yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting hearing, your story about your your friend who you had kind of your first like a uh, platonic friendship with someone of the opposite platonic sex. Platonic friendships like, are awesome. They're great. They're great. Yeah, uh, me they, and they you used world. to have one. We used to have one before it became sexual. Um, yeah, but look, but look with at that us. We made it. We made amazing, it work. amazing head of hair ears. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but. Yeah, it's like the one thing that would make that story more dramatic is if someone had feelings for the other one, right? Like that's and that's how you get a movie. That's yeah. how you get, you know, you you inject the conflict. I think that, you know, the movie isn't necessarily saying that they I don't think the film was saying that they shouldn't have sex necessarily. Mm. But it is saying that like it would change the dynamic of the relationship and yeah. maybe it's like, well, if she knew that he had these if anything the movie's just kind of being like you guys should just be maybe more honest. Or the thing is, like, she's being very honest about what she wants. Yeah. He's not being very honest about what he Right? I mean, she's, she says, like, I she's want this, She's being I want honest this. with him with what she wants, but she's maybe being a little dishonest with herself. Sure. Because okay, maybe this fair. is not actually what she wants. Like, she just, yeah. you know, it's it's your classic, like, 
I want to have a baby to change my life and fix things. And it's like, yeah. you know, you have to having go this through thing a, to focus on will give me purpose. You, you have to go like, through uh, a couple a couple comedic beats to be like, you do understand that having a baby is a very, very big deal. Like you yeah. have to. And she's like, maybe not. I think in the way that the movie treats her rightfully as like a fictional character is like, you're just like, yeah. I don't think that this person is ready to have a baby, especially single, you know, it like is, that's like, it's also not, not to be derogatory or anything, but it's just like, sure. there's, you're kind of led to go. Nah, I don't know if that's a good idea. Being like, I want to have a, a, a life to raise on my own after getting into a car accident. And she was like drinking, right? Like, wasn't she like fucked up? Or is yeah, that, am I, am I getting, up. yeah, no, just, no, no, she was like, fucked up. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, well, maybe no, maybe no. Um, it is also funny that the movie it has movie logic in the sense of just like, yeah, you have sex once and then you're pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily people, you know, it doesn't always work like that. Something with like, factors yeah. going in. It can, did you, I mean, it did can. you see, uh, together together from this no, past year? Oh, I wanted to, which was Ed Helms character. He wants to have a baby, but he doesn't want to be in a relationship. So he hires like a surrogate. And uh, it, it, it's a it's a lot like that. I was getting a lot of those vibes from it because that was yeah. one of my more liked comedies from the year because they don't really make comedies anymore, really. So no, that was one of the stuff, few that I saw. You get stuff like Inside where it's like – that's not like a movie, but it's like a comedy thing you've watched on the TV. Oh, Bo Burnham's Inside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% a movie. Yeah. 100% well, I mean, like, not, I rewatched not, it last not, night in the – exact way of figuring out is this a movie by the definition of what a movie is and because that movie is see i told you we were going to talk about 2022 2021 stuff yeah um inside is a movie because it's fake it's not real Mm-hmm. A lot of his thoughts and his ideas are just as real as a screenwriter's would be, but they are performed, they yeah. are exaggerated, and they are edited and cut together in a way that creates an arc, exposition, and a finale. It sure. is amazing because you probably do have some people that watch that and just go, that is 100% real. And as soon as you start to think about what it takes to shoot that stuff and edit it, you're like, that cannot be actually what happened on the day because that wouldn't make any sense. He wouldn't be able to do that. Um, yeah. I love it. It's a, yeah, it's a, I, I one mean, of my favorite movies. I don't mean to say it's not a movie. I guess what I meant to say, it's not a comedy in the traditional sense. It's not like a Palm Springs or pop mm-hmm. star where yeah. Andy Samberg seems to be one of the only people making a plus a narrative uh, film. A narrative comedies, yeah. A narrative I mean, yeah. comedy. Inside is 100%, you know, it's on my top 10 list, for sure. Is it? Yeah, it's at number 10. Don't don't tell anybody. No, no, no. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Break, break it out. Break it out. Don't, <laughs> don't tell anybody. It's at number... Oh, you're going to be very right. surprised because it is uh, very much higher on mine. Well, I think you liked it more than I did. <sighs> I love that goddamn thing. Yeah, I liked it. I love it too, man. Don't get me wrong. But When's the last time you watched it? At the theater. You should watch it again. That was you until yesterday, right? You should watch it again. I was listening to it when I was writing my list. I was like, this is so thanks. You should watch it again. It's a little, it's also, it's like a little like loaded for me. Um, 
as it as it is yeah as it is by design so it's honestly sure, sure. it's on it's on there kind of like more out of respect for the past if anything i take it off but i did like it it would have been it's on it's there. an it's an amazing time capsule of a film um yes. it will exist for eternity uh however long that lasts but But so will so will August thirty second on Earth. Oh, okay. Well, we, oh well, no, we, I thought you were gonna finish your you, inside is like a comedy. What was the thought that you were saying before? I don't know. Inside it's is like a, like a comedy, but you said it wasn't a movie, and I derailed you, and I I apologize I so it. much, no, my no, good no, no. friend. That was it. That was no, it. you're good. That was it. I was gonna say like because I said I I I didn't want to come across as saying. That it wasn't a movie because I don't feel that. Right. I do think it counts. What was your initial thing that you were gonna say before that? No, that was it. I think that was it. Yeah, I think that was it. I like Inside too, and August thirty second on Earth is a comedy, and it's really fucking funny, and it's super think, sad. Do you think if we were, you know, we're doing uh-huh. store screen in nineteen ninety eight, and we watch this movie, you think this movie would be <laughs> on our top list? Uh, we probably wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> I guess it probably would have gotten especially the way movies were released back then like yeah this this thing uh, probably true. never saw the light of day on a DVD or VHS until like 2002 <laughs> so IMDB will tell you like it's available yep. on Amazon to rent yep. and the DVD is $73 sure that's sure. crazy I mean yeah, it was probably it. they probably made 10 of them <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nowhere to go and now Denis is hot is hot boy. So and now Denis is hot boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to be able to find uh, VHSs of these two movies if they ever existed, because as you know, any movie that was released digitally before two thousand five most likely got a VHS release, and True. I like collecting VHSs. Uh, I'd love to grab these two. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you could just have them on there, and someone would be like, "What the fuck's that?" And I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you heard of a little I, movie called Dune? I'm a I'm very excited to have this movie in my like uh pretentious film nerd Rolodex. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. such a good one. Where someone's just like, "Oh yeah, I like French movies." I'm like, "It I've does seen, feel have you like seen Sweet Denis' earliest film." Yeah, like, it's so- like I I I liken especially to in watching older movies by directors that are kind of like like famed right now. So you're kind of like, I know this person grows to something. So there's something here, but I've never heard anybody talk about it. And much in the same way, like when you watch a movie released like this year and like, for example, in 2021 for your list and you haven't heard anybody talk about it and you watch it and you love it. It's like that shot of Thanos putting the, the final infinity gem like putting the yeah. mind stone, like, and he's like oh, <laughs> you just become so powerful, and yeah. you're just like, oh, everybody's gonna shudder in fear at this. It's uh, funny. The, the meme I was thinking of is like the Yu Gi Oh one, where like uh, I can't even remember the name of the characters. Yes, I do. Yugi has like a card, and Kaiba's just like, mm-hmm. what card do you have? He's like, I have this one. And he's like, fuck. And I feel like that's like mm-hmm. every pretentious film nerd can have that, where it's just like, how many like French art house movies have you seen? I'm like. August 32nd on Earth, and that would probably just stun so many. How many people yeah. have seen this movie? How many people that we know have seen this movie? 32. All right, that's higher than I thought, but not that many. 
random number that I'm tossing out there that also happens to be in the title. That's it. Fuck. Yeah, man. I like it. Yeah, this movie's cool. Um, I want to watch it again, to be honest. Me too. Yeah, I'm, watching, <laughs> no, I'm like talking about it again. I'm like, I know, oh, I'm just like, shit. man, I, I kind of wish maybe I watched it again before doing this, but who got the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like too, like you know, we we had talked about like we didn't want to go into too heavy of spoilers uh, for these first four movies in case people are just like, yeah. I like Denis Villeneuve, and they're jumping on in. And it's like, no, we want you to experience the movie on your own. Like you can hear us like jive about it like a little bit, but like we don't want to we don't want to go into like I love it in the last two minutes when this happens. Yeah, I mean it's a bummer. I'll tell you that it's a bummer. Yeah, it's I do. Bummer. I do think the the major in, in in the context of this series that we're starting, I think the biggest takeaway for me is how the movie really visually touched on all the things that I know Denis for at this point. You know, even yeah. when there there's a scene where they they they're in the hotel and they need a place to sleep, or not in the hotel, they need a place to sleep. They're in the airport, and uh, there's these like. Japanese pod beds that are set up in the airport and they're like I guess we'll sleep which in one is, of these that's exactly and that's Bla- and what that's Blade they Runner. look like that's Blade Runner like, yeah yeah like I <laughs> you know it's I, crazy. I, I lived in Japan for two and a half years oh that's that like a real ass thing there yeah. like that's what those are like I lived in Japan seven years after this shit like was yeah. was shot like those things are there they are super fucking weird and they look like that and they are also not that big. So they, they found like, a really I, big I, one to be able to shoot in. So I feel like Japan's whole thing is just like, would you like the place to live? But what if it was tiny? No. Japan's whole place, the whole thing is like, would you like a place to fuck? Um, yeah. Fair enough. That fucking country just wants to fuck at all times. Yeah. And when you're there, they they just want to remind you, like, you know, you what can you're fuck. Do- what you're doing exactly what you're doing <laughs> you right now be fucking is instead. totally cool. Do your job, get some stuff done. If you want to go have a drink, have an easy night, go for it. Maybe go catch a film. That's great. But you could also just fuck right now. Yeah. By the way, and that's you're wasting your fucking time. But not times. Mike, I want to dive into Maelstrom, but I think uh, we should take a break because I want to grab another Corona. What do you uh, think? That sounds like a perfect place for us to seamlessly put a cut. Seamlessly. Seamlessly. Yeah. Okay. I'll make a note right now to make sure that I cut this part out. Yeah. We won't leave it in for people to... Wow. That's a really good drawing sound. All right. So I made a note. Okay, so um, you go get yourself another drink, and I'm going to go get myself another drink, and um, uh, uh, no one will hear this. It'll be great. No one will hear this. Yep. All right. So um, leave your recording going, obviously. You know all the rules. You know what's going on. This is Yeah, you don't need to explain it to me. I know how. It's just I I couldn't remember because your hair is just so fucking good today. Like, you're you're like a different person. (laughs) It's the same guy, just with more locks. You're just like, it's it's the difference between, like, Charmander and Charmeleon. You know what I mean? Like, Charmander's fucking awesome and great, and I've been friends with him for a while. But it looks like you just got yourself, like, some kind of fucking evolve stone that just like popped you up real quick and you just you, you god you look like such a man right now all right i'll Thanks. see you in a minute all Bye. right see you in a bit
Okay. Cool. What are you uh what are you drinking? Uh Old Overholt Rye. Nice. Probably should have grabbed another ice cube while I was down there, but uh Yeah, what are you gonna do? Uh so now we're back and um I uh I put a, a little bit of like waiting music in there in, in the edit. Uh so oh. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So that'll be nice. So like if you wanted to also do any um you know like sound effects or anything right oh, now. Like right now. It'll be yeah. it'll be easy in the the post edit cuz I'll know like oh it's right there like do 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 do. Oh like you just want to make sound effects. I thought you okay. said you wanted me to make sound effects. Oh no, like if you want it, I was saying like if you wanted to do like you know lasers. Or, um, you know, am do I not supposed other? to be doing them right now? No, like name a, do... name a sound effect. Oh, um, blazer. <laughs> blazers, blazers, the sound of a blazer, like putting on a blazer. Got it. Yeah, I found that and I put it right in there. Wow, great, perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Do you have, do you have any more sound effects? Mm -hmm. The closing of a DVD case. Amazing. You found it? It's the miracle of uh editing. You can you can do anything. You can really do so, anything. Yeah. So crazy. I should come up with one more too since I made you do two. Uh I'm right, gonna right. do um uh a, a clown slipping and falling on a horn. <laughs> what is he slipping on? What the fuck is he slipping on? What is it? He slipped on something and mm. it went Hong Kong. I heard it. We all seems just heard like it. A seems like a cop out. I don't know. Um, so uh, again, if this is uh, the first episode of this podcast that you're listening Sorry. to, you're Sorry. welcome. <laughs> they're not all this much fun, I guess. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> um, sometimes they're not this fun. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. Yeah, I'm having a good day. Yeah, um, yeah you are doing so good right now. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, my friend with yeah. good hair. Um, Thank you. Uh, before we break into Maelstrom, um, like I said, like I really wanted to talk about some 2021 stuff, but non-spoilery, yeah, of course. Yeah. We're not going to, you know, if we start bringing something up, guys, and you haven't seen it, don't worry. We're not going to go too specific into anything, but we wanted to kind of just get a little bit of something out there. So, um, like, Robbie, what do you what do you got like that's uh, rattling around in your little... Uh, your little crackhead brain uh the oh, crackhead brain <laughs> yeah uh you know what movie i watched that really surprised me and uh also made it onto my list hmm. summit of the gods really have you heard of this movie i have <clears throat> i haven't seen it uh it, it for for the uninitiated summit of the gods is a french animated picture adapted from a uh, Japanese manga of the same name. It has to do with a reporter who is obsessively reporting on and following a uh, man who is obsessed with climbing the south side of Mount, es Mount Everest. That's like the quick picture of it. There's a lot more going on there. But uh, yeah, it was beautiful and like it, it's kind of charming to see, you know, animated movies because of the nature of it being animation and kind of the best thing about the medium is that you can do you can go to alternate dimensions you can do crazy shit you can do all kinds of stuff in animation but it's always really remarkable when you see 
an animated movie just kind of cover something really grounded. There's no magic in this movie. There's no anything extra, extra frills or whistles. Like, it's just a beautiful movie that has to do with climbing and obsession. And it's really just fucking 10 out of 10. It is terrific. I really was surprised by how much I dug it. Damn. I'm going to fucking try and yeah. cram that in there then. Yeah. It's on Netflix. So it's it's there. I think it's an hour and a half, maybe a little bit longer. Pretty oh, yeah. pretty fucking good, man. Really dug it. Yeah, I uh, I just finally caught uh, a movie that I was really looking forward to and completely forgot that it had already come out um, in in all the cramming that we're doing for 2021. I I have because I I do a I do a top 20 every year as opposed to yeah. a top 10, and I make it a point that I have to watch at least a hundred movies that were released in that year to like kind of accommodate for that, like you know. If, if you watch like 40 movies, like it's kind of silly to make a top 20 because it's not really indicative of like what the year was. Um, luckily, I'm already at 117. Happy nice. about it. Uh, it's always stressful not knowing what I'm at and Letterboxd, the app Letterboxd, if you're unaware. Great tool. Great fucking tool for keeping track of that stuff and also having fun with a lot of people that also like talking about movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I finally caught Paulo Sorrentino's, uh, one of my favorite directors, uh, his 2021 release, The Hand of God, which is on Netflix. Um, phenomenal movie. I'm, uh, I'm halfway through it right now. Absolutely my fucking jam. There is yeah. – it's one of those movies that – removed from my own personal tastes and takes and opinions and thought processes uh, would be an amazing movie to watch. But given my affinity for loving movies as an outlet and having extreme parent issues and having uh, not very good coping mechanisms with dealing with death and loss and understanding and at the same time kind of having very very odd thoughts on how one is supposed to grow and behave uh this movie just really kind of fell in line with a bunch of stuff for me personally that maybe i hadn't even come to terms with yet that as i was watching it i was like oh my goodness so Really yeah. fucking blew me away. Um, you know, I, 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 I never start to create my lists until right before the deadline, which is just in a couple days from now. So I hadn't really considered what's on my top five, top 10, top 20. Um, and this one just really skyrocketed on up there. And that's what's always so much fun. Like when you watch something that like, even if you thought that you're like, Oh, I'm going to fucking love that. I love that director yeah. trailer looks really cool. Can't wait. Uh, it's just like one of those exciting moments where you watch a movie where you're just like, this kind of completely changes what my list would probably look like if I hadn't seen it, you know? Yeah. You know, watching that movie and just, you know, just seeing like, I, I guess I only halfway through it. I, I'm really digging it so far. Um, but it's funny watching a movie like that, you know, this, this kind of like really brilliant piece of like Italian cinema and really taking place like a period piece in Italy and like, it made me kind of be like, you know, I wish, I wish we got a House of Gucci movie that was with Italian people in it. 
You sure. know, like like a like a real like a real like you know I Italian mean, like. Here's the thing about Hasaguchi and the Italian people in it thing. <laughs> Most of sure. those people are of Italian descent, but Mike, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. I know don't what the fuck me, you're talking about, that. but that's the that thing. Shit. That's the thing where it's just like, how far do you go, like? You know, you gotta have your I, your Lady I Gaga, like, your Adam yes. Drivers. Even though Lady Gaga kind of sounds like she's talking Russian sometimes, and Pretty Jared Russian, Leto yeah. is obviously impersonating lines from Mario Kart sixty four. Like it's yeah. you just have to kind of go. And with I it. and I did like you that watch movie? the last duel? By the way, you stupid Not son yet. of a bitch. I know you I are know. an absolute trash person. You watched House of Gucci. I know, and you claim to be. A savior of cinema, and you I, didn't watch Ridley Scott's <laughs> other movie that <laughs> nobody sure went and I, saw. The last duel that bucks so goddamn okay, hard. Two, Robert, two things, Robert, two things right now. Robert, I should see. I want to see the last duel. You know, are I you want gonna to watch, watch it I love swords. for your list? Are you gonna watch it no, for your list? I'm not watching no, it. no, my list is done. My the list is done. are close. Second yeah. of all, <laughs> I. I like how I the gates are closed. None shall pass. I like a, House of Gucci. First a very of all, good movie. I, I like Hasuji. That movie's cool. And I like it for what it is this really strange popcorn biopic, blockbuster biopic. Like, totally. I yeah. like that. I like that shit. I just think it would be cool, now that I'm more familiar with the story of the Gucci's, it'd be cool to see an actual, like, foreign language drama tackle that narrative. Sure. You know? But, come say, come saw. Come say, come saw. Yep. We uh we didn't get to talk too much about this movie outside of like texting back and forth a little bit, but mm. how'd you feel about uh Matrix Resurrections, man? Oh, you're just gonna I wanna go know. there. I wanna know. You're gonna go there. Uh I love Matrix Resurrections. Um, Me too, dude. I thought the movie fucking rocked. I fall in line with that group of people who really like uh the Matrix sequels for how weird and different they are. And this movie is even weirder and differenter. Um, it's really cool. I love, um, but I also get, I get, I get why people don't like it. It's the same thing. It's but the last like, Jedi shit, man. <laughs> uh, no, the last Jedi shit I don't get because that's fucking weird. Um, that's everything well, that you should of want like, from like a dark chapter kind of thing. Yeah. I, but I, I get, I, but I get what you're, what you're, inferring on it and it's, it's kind it's, of the same thing it's different it's different we'll just push like a, a, yeah. a creator pushing against the tropes yeah of a movie of a, of a series it's, it's this is different because it's lana and it's the movie her, the matrix her. movies are it's only hers, hers. It's, that's, like, yeah it's hers she's yeah. allowed to do whatever to she do wants that. with it you know and it's yeah ryan johnson's like he's poking a little bit he's poking I, a little and, bit like and, we know that we both like, like lana that, is poking a lot like and it's hers to poke and it's uh, I watched it um, at an early screening uh, with a couple friends uh, before it had been released on the world. So completely clean of any weird stuff like floating around the ether and everything. I hadn't really read anything. And it is uh, it just blew me away for what it was and what it was doing. And it's. It's a super special movie. But again, I yeah. don't knock anybody for not liking it because it's it is a uh it is a transgressive film and it's 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 very uh 
intense and it can feel hateful at times towards the viewer, depending on where they're coming from, from what they like. And I, I totally get all those arguments, but it's an angry, it's an angry movie, right? Like it's it's very, it's a movie. It's a very angry movie. And and I, and I fucking like respect it's like rock and roll attitude. Yeah, man. I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I, I really dug it. I definitely, I I mentioned to you, uh, we talked about on the phone. I was like, yeah, you know, I was more into the, the first hour where they're really doing the meta commentary and you're seeing Neo, um, I guess I had no spoilers, but when they're really like delving heavy into the meta commentary of the Matrix and the world of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I was a lot more into that kind of slow burn as to when things start popping off and they're going to uh, Zion or what we left off of Zion and uh, that, that yeah. stuff, IO, but like, you know, what that stuff doesn't didn't work for me as well. Uh, I have a feeling if I actually got to see it in the theater, that stuff might have like popped off a little bit better for me. One one hundred, like I yeah, I watched I the still, movie the first time. It, yeah. After we talked and and then we talked about it, I watched it a second time recently as I'm trying to figure out its placement on my list of where it would land. Um, and the second time I watched it, the second half was so much more captivating. Yeah. Because it's a thick film. It's there's a lot. I've also there's yeah. a lot to process, and the movie pulls no punches and moves very quickly. And at the end of the movie, you get what the overall scheme was. And if you watch it again, you get to much like the first Matrix and the sequels. Like once you know what the full story is, uh, rewatching it, it, there's just so much more meat on the bone than yeah. was there the first time that you just didn't realize the meat was there. You were just like, oh, I, I think that I've chewed all the meat off of this bone and now I'm just like digging out cartilage when you're like, no, yeah. there's been a whole other part of this bone. I just got to flip this bad boy over and oh, 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 my God, there's so much in this. There's like a bunch of sauce on this side too. And oh, it's good. I'm surprised that anyone kind of expected any differently from this movie too. It's just like, what do it's, you think? It's all about what, what do you, you think want that out of a are. Matrix movie? Like, and it's again, like, I totally get this movie actively. Again, not getting into spoilers and stuff. This movie, The Matrix Resurrections, actively shames people for wanting a Matrix Four. Almost right out the gate, and it's. I mean, and it, I can it, understand the, why people yeah. would be would at feel bare like you're minimum, making me feel like an idiot yeah. because I like these movies, and it's like no, that's not what they're doing. That's that's your <laughs> that's your shit that you need at to bare, deal with. At the yeah. bare minimum, the movie hates the Hollywood system. At yes. the bare, at, like at the least, at the at the bare minimum, it's at yeah. least doing that. And, and that's to, again, like like you were saying, that's where away, like that's know. where a lot of the Last Jedi kind of comparisons come from, which is yeah. it's it's very much yeah. Last utilizing Jedi what has, you think is what's going to happen and yeah. subverting expectations. But if the Last Jedi subverts your Star Wars expectations to a certain degree. The Matrix Resurrection subverts your Matrix expectations almost to the point where, like, expectations no longer fucking exist. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the cool thing about Last Jedi, or one of the things I really like about Last Jedi is that it has Star Wars fatigue. Like, Last Jedi actively is just like, we're fucking sick of this shit, man. We're so fucking sick of this same shit happening, yeah. man. And then they started kind of really, you know, I'm watching the new, uh, 
You watching that Boba Fett show? Is that right now? I haven't locked in yet. I'm letting a couple episodes right. kind of get in there. Um, That's probably for the I, best. I've been watching a lot of movies right now. I'm trying not yeah. to waste an hour. Not not that it would be a waste, but like I'm just trying to. It might be, you know, it depends on where where your time level's at. It might be a good break to watch one of them because it's pretty like shut your brain off, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm digging it, but it's still like you know. I dig it because, like, I'm a sucker for a dude in armor, you know? Like, I love that shit. But, like, Star Wars just, it does not know how to not do the same fucking shit all the time. Like, it just doesn't know how to do it. Even Mandalorian. I love Mandalorian, man. I think Mandalorian's really cool. But Mandalorian's still the thing that it's like, we don't know yeah. how to not do the same shit all yeah. the time. We, we made don't a know whole how to not do we the same We made a fucking, two, we made two videos on it. <laughs> we made yeah. a two-part like, video on it. They just don't yeah. know. They just don't know. And then, like, and it's just crazy. Like, even, like, Marvel, like... You know, they they you they they steer the ship in a new direction like every few years, and it takes a while for like the hands to get on the ship and to no. start turning the wheel. But it ends up like the course in the sea starts getting different. Star Wars is just like there's always someone being like, "Yeah, we're gonna actually gonna we're just gonna make sure it's the same shit." It, did you you didn't watch uh the bad you didn't watch Clone Wars or any of that shit? You haven't watched that much Clone Wars, right? I've watched some. Yeah, I never watched the whole thing. So are you familiar with like the Bad Batch Clone Wars spinoff show? That I happened? am familiar with Bad Batch. I did not watch it because I knew that are it was... Go- are you going to watch it or do you want me to spoil oh, no, yeah, anything yeah, yeah. for I, you? In, in 2022, okay. my main thing is to catch back up on the Clone Wars stuff. I want to watch Sense8. I have a couple things that I have like removed myself from Sense8 movies too. for a little bit and yeah. kind of catch us on some stuff. Yeah. Well, I won't do any spoilies, but you know, Bad Batch is cool. And then like it gets to the point where you're just like... You guys are doing the same shit. Why are you doing the same? Why are we doing the same shit all the time? Stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just do different shit. You guys are so close to doing different shit. Different Just try shit. it. Different shit is cool. It's That's cool. why I like Matrix Resurrections. It's different shit. Because it's different I shit. Like it. I like that. Like name yeah, me a you movie know? like Matrix Resurrections. You goddamn assholes. Like what the well, fuck? Because Matrix, Matrix Resurrections is just like Matrix Resurrections pushes the narrative forward. For as weird and meta as it is, it pushes the narrative it of the does. Matrix forward. Whereas if you were to just remake the Matrix one, you just would have remade that. It just would have been more Matrix, which is like something you kind of want. <laughs> what the movie's talking about yeah, and saying exactly. is stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, where yeah. it's just like it's just like yeah, I don't need the slop, man. Yeah, no, it's give me something new. It's uh, it's very interesting to have a movie that is a legacy sequel that is also at the same time again no spoilers kind of commenting on what legacy yeah. sequels are and why we're kind of silly as uh, as a culture that would consider this yeah. art kind of thing but, uh, but well, I, I got one yeah, more question okay. before we jump into maelstrom okay uh because we never really talked did you like spider did you like spider-man no way home Spider-Man No Way Home is a phenomenal movie. It's uh, cool. it's actually so kind of funny that putting these two movies together, I, I saw a tweet where it's like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and Matrix Resurrections are all based in the studio system executing nostalgia as a way to make money. One is the poison and one is the antidote and neither is a bad thing. And yeah. I think that that's an amazing... I'm not even sure if that's actually what the tweet was or if I just kind of <laughs> brought a bunch words. of ideas together and like just like put that out there. But these movies, these movies have been kind of like not pit against each other, but people have noticed and yeah. talked about how they yeah. are. They are two sides of a production. Being very coy you know? about Spider-Man No Way Home, because as someone who runs a theater, I am aware that 
a lot of people still have not seen it and are not the highest grossing on. movie of all time. And are not logged on and it's still, amazing. dude, people are still it's showing amazing. showing up to this movie to this day them. and they have no idea what happens in it. It's it's That's really amazing. wild. Um, it is. It is a wild fucking movie that should not work at all once you know what the whole thing is and it works swimmingly. I think that it's one of Marvel's best movies that they've ever made, even though it's not. I've always kind of like reserved that title for like more self-contained things like Guardians of the Galaxy or Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why everybody kind of goes back to the first Iron Man or Captain America. Like they feel more self-contained. This is a movie that is not self-contained in any way and um, (laughs) is – Again, the trite thing, a little bit of a revelation of um, that's what you can do when you utilize this shit properly. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty wonderful. And I have always had a pretty hard rule on not putting uh, Marvel or more specifically superhero movies on my top list unless they they really hit me. The only one that's ever made it on there in the past uh, six years was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, and uh, you might be in for a little bit of a surprise this year. With I, that am, one. I am shocked. It uh, it did not make it onto my top list. But I fine. really, really liked it. A lot you, of good movies put, last year. Put, I get uh, it. I, yeah. You didn't put Spider-Verse on your list? I didn't. I did not. And it, that's, mm. it, it was uh, – I looked at my list and I saw that it had um, – it was in 2018 and it was my number – it was my number 20. It was it like okay. just missed and um again, regret it. I look back on yeah. some of my lists sometimes and I'm just like, that should have been on there. Like one of the biggest ones is like I think I put uh Mission Impossible Fallout at like fifteen or something on one of the lists, and I'm like, that is an easy top five. What are you yeah. talking about? That's one of the best action movies ever made. But it's it's all about like how often you see it and stuff. And I I learned my lessons and things from that. And it's like it's one of those things this year where I'm like, I need to rewatch some of these certain movies that I felt really high on when I saw that don't seem to be hitting too high on my list right now where I'm like, do I need to watch those again and just kind of be removed from the awe and you know, first time watch of it and really take it in. West Side Story is a big one on that. West Side Story is a fucking insanely good movie. And I need yeah. to watch it again to make sure that it's not too high or too low on my list. Cause I'm just like losing my mind about where to put it. I definitely have some movies on my past. I wish I put Black Panther on my list the year it came out. I didn't. That's a big regret. In retrospect, like, you know, I really liked, um, promising young woman but i feel like making it my number one last year was like a little premature i think it still should be on my list i think it'd still be high on my list but i do think like in retrospect i don't know if it should be like that high on my list but i did fuck with it pretty heavy but yeah you know i definitely got my my retrospective regrets this year i you know i like my list i said i say it every year though but i can't wait i I can't wait to see your list i can't wait to see your list and all of you can see our list Starting the last week of January as we slowly post them online, leading all the way up to Groundhog Day, February 2nd, where we release our awesome Supercut video. 
of all of our and you find movies. out who who is Story Screen's movie of the year. You do, you do. I'm cur- I'm curious. I have some some theories, but actually, I do. I think I know. I think I know. But, but we're here to talk about Maelstrom. Fuck. <laughs> Remember that? Oh man, this movie's cool. Uh, Maelstrom's uh, this fucking cool fuck. awesome. So two years yeah. after uh, August 32nd on Earth, uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, it should be stated too in case people don't know, Denis Villeneuve wrote and directed both these movies. He's a, yeah. a writer-director, uh, especially early on in his uh, career, uh, m- mostly throughout everything else that we're going to be talking about throughout this series too is um, – He's usually touching up scripts. He usually gets a writing credit uh, on some stuff where he's trying to, even if he wasn't there at the foundation, he tries to like kind of touch it up a little bit. But he's he's very much a a a, a concept to execution type of director. He's these two movies that we're talking about: August Thirty Second on Earth and Maelstrom. He wrote them. He's directing them. This is his vision. There's n- there's nothing stopping him on what no. he's doing. And um Maelstrom very similarly um starts with a car crash. Uh yeah. in the same well, way that uh, it, doesn't, well, it doesn't it doesn't start. It doesn't start it but doesn't that's, start, that's like a big it starts exciting with, it starts with something yeah. where is where it's why I got it confused with the other movie because the other movie's dealing with like pregnancy. Uh-huh. This movie starts with something where I was like, oh wait, no, this is there are different movies. Yeah. This movie does feature a car accident. It does. That is very integral to the plot. Mm-hmm. And the and a young woman who's just a bit unhinged. Both films feel, yeah. uh, feature that as well. Yeah. Uh this is a movie that is about a woman who um after having um uh a traumatic experience. Like I don't know how spoiler we want to get with like what the inciting sure. incident is. I think it's kind of Important to what's going on, but not really. But it's a it's a traumatic experience uh, that everybody kind of around her treats a little bit, maybe too lightly um, in the sense of just trying to make her feel better. Um, She ends up uh, going out on a little bit of a bender and um, she's driving home and she uh, hits someone by accident yeah. She uh, and 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 drives away. It's a hit and run. It's a your classic hit and run, and uh, starts to feel really bad about it. Uh, goes to the funeral for the person that she finds out the hit and run. The person that she hit died, and there meets the son of the uh, the person that died. Um, this is it's the- a it's a me cute. This is the yeah. It, this is the basic <laughs> premise of the movie. However, uh, for a movie that is, uh, let me double check here how long this movie is. For a movie that is an hour and twenty seven minutes, um, pretty much what I just told you happens in the first fifty minutes of the movie. Yeah, I was going to say her, long, her meeting. It's a this, very long this character. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't happen for a long time, she but, but it becomes in the, in the, the crux guilt. of the movie. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of the movie is her dealing with the guilt of it and um, trying to figure out what she wants to do with herself and how she's going to live with herself with this kind of stuff. And then, really, yeah. until she meets the son, 
randomly at the funeral without telling him who she is. Uh, that's where the movie kind of shifts in the last half hour into something completely different. Um, and uh, again, it is a, a very good movie. It looks amazing. Um, and this is, we didn't say this in August 32nd on Earth, even though we talked about how good that movie looks. The thing about how good these movies look in comparison to how good Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Dune, all Sicario, all these movies look yeah. is there's not a lot of money put into these things. So when I say that these movies look good and that they look like Denis Villeneuve movies, it's really wild because you can tell that these movies were made for not a lot of money and he was still yeah. able to get the same kind of visual awe out of something as small as this, whether it be as small as the story, as small as the scope, as small as the budget. Um, it's pretty fucking impressive. It, it, I was not thinking that I was not going to be impressed by Denis Villeneuve in watching his first two movies, um, but I was shocked at how well, much know, he's able watch, to pull out. When you watch older, low-budget movies, there's a certain expectation that comes along with that. Like, let's, like, you know, what, what year did, uh, not to keep bringing it up, but, like, what year did um, Memento come out? Uh, Memento, I believe, came out in uh, 2000. It came out in 2000. Cool. Did I so, get it right? Yeah, Maelstrom also came out in 2000. You can say you're welcome. Uh, I, I knew it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know a movie I think like looks. Did I say better? you could say you're welcome? Yeah, instead it's of not thank right. you, you could say you're welcome. <laughs> you did say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I feel like I feel like Maelstrom. Mm -hmm. I feel like Maelstrom looks better than Memento. I'm scrolling through this movie right now, man. I got it on my Amazon. I got it on my movie right okay. now. I'm looking at it. Memento Denis is a very good looking movie. It's a, Memento is one of the best movies of all time and also like one of the best like early it's up there with like brick in terms of like it's one of the directors best independent movies. movies of all time. Yeah. Hell yeah. Maelstrom looks fucking sick. The it color does. grading's on fire. He knows where to put a camera. He knows how to budget things where he like knows how to block and to frame and to do close ups instead of like shooting really far away. You know, he really just knows where to do like he is such a good filmmaker because he's like he's just so good at like the basics and you know looking at something like maelstrom his second movie and then looking at like memento uh christopher nolan's second movie and seeing kind of where their careers went of becoming like totally two really big like you know very interesting budget, yeah very like you know huge uh intellectual property adapters like you know after after dune we'll see denis Start doing, you know, he might even do a one for me, one for you, just like Christopher Nolan yeah. at this point. I mean, he's I got the power now. That's interesting because you know? we we did a a quasi Nolan miniseries on mm -hmm. Overdrinkers, if you remember, right? I do. Uh, where we 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 covered. I was on the I was on the Prestige episode. You were on the Prestige episode. A great great fucking movie. Probably Christopher Nolan's best movie. I agree. At me, do it, um, please. I think it would be, uh, and again, like one of the reasons that we're releasing this episode publicly is uh, the first episodes 
that we do on these miniseries is like we're usually figuring out what they're going to be in the first episode. Like, wow, what's the what's the framing going to be? Like, how are yeah. we going to like move that around? Like, we don't like to we don't like to plan the the exclusive miniseries like to we don't want to make them feel, you know, educational or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? They're, like we, they're more loosey goosey. We, we like more to like, figure them out. Yeah. I think it would be an interesting point to like kind of figure out like. Okay, so as we're talking about Denis Villeneuve with these movies, where was Christopher Nolan? Because they really did start at about the same point, because I believe following was 96 or 97. It's Uh, like right there then, yeah. It's right there. And uh, August 32nd on Earth was 98. So you're kind of like looking at it right there where it's like, oh, they're kind of starting – Following is 98, my dude. Bam. Got it. Cool. They got the same. Go. They they're, got like this. They're driving the same on path. there. So that's yeah. really interesting because now, you know, they both started out as these kind of just like, hey, their first movie, eh, not that well known. Their second movie, yeah. hey, nah, not doing too bad. Uh, Polytechniques, which is Denny's uh, third movie, which we'll talk about uh, in the next episode. That's the one that really put him on the spot. Maybe not um, culturally in the same way that Memento did for Christopher Nolan, um, but it, it, it got him on the radar to the point where by the time it came, by the time he got to the point to make Prisoners, he could get Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. He could – Paul yeah. Dano. He could get these people because they're like, I want to work with that guy because I watched Polytechnic and Incendies and, hey, maybe Maelstrom and August 32nd on Earth. Like, it, I think that it got him to that point. Um, I mean, they have to, it had to create some buzz about him because, again, watching these movies, uh, my takeaway was just like I am shocked at how good they are. Shot like they're insane. They look and it's not. They it's look not any so fucking like, good. They look up, dude. They look. They look like ten years ahead of. Their, I'm looking at the movie right now. Yeah, yeah, it looks like ten years ahead of its time. Yeah, it looks fucking amazing. It's crazy. Like it's shot so well, and again, like the colors. Like you know, it has this like, um, it, kind of similar to uh, the novice, where it has like a very like um blue green palette almost looks like like a lagoon if you imagine like kind of that color the novice, it's just another like, 2021 movie really love good love it it's good i loved your picture for that uh in researching the novice i realized that that director was in the sound department for whiplash <clears throat> i was just like hey mm-hmm. would you look at that yes 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 um, some key differences i do like your pitch initially about that movie but there are some key some key differences I'd love to talk about very between much. the two. Yeah. My but, uh, my pitch yeah. on that movie is very much more. That a, gets you in the door. Shall sure. I intrigue you? Yeah. Yes, yeah. and I, I do think it's it's accurate. For I, that my pitch on the movie was it's Whiplash, but with girls rowing, which is an which insanely yeah. um, uh, degrading uh, way to explain what the novice is, and that's just to get people in the door because. I think that the novice does the same stuff that Whiplash does, but better. Um, and towards different reasonings, because it, it just has it has more to talk about. Whiplash well, has, it has, it has certain a, things to talk about, and the novice has a lot of other things to talk the about. The novice has a protagonist that has more interesting motives 
Yes. Than Whiplash. And Whiplash to me has more relatable motives by, than the novice. By point of but, by yeah. point of like um specificity. Like it is very important that the protagonist, quote unquote, of Whiplash um does not want too much. He wants yeah. one thing. And that's yes. very important to what his character is in the arc and how he interacts with everybody. Whereas in the novice, this person needs to be a little unknowable of what they want to make it to make you die as you're watching it. Cause you're just like, well, as, you, you, as you learn, and you're yeah. like, you're like, just stop. stop. You don't have yeah. to. You um, don't have to <laughs> love the novice uh, sidestep, but we're going to get back to Maelstrom because we yeah. barely talked about it. Uh, true, true, true. Uh, Maelstrom is um, really cool. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit more like what Denis Villeneuve like in in comparison to August thirty second on Earth, it's a little bit more in line with what I would expect from Denis Villeneuve, while also having elements that I haven't really seen in other Denis Villeneuve movies, maybe excluding Enemy. You know, like it's the you've seen Enemy, yes, it's the most like Enemy. That I've seen, which is is funny because Enemy is the outlier in his later movies. Like he's got Prisoners, yeah. Enemy, uh, Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and uh, Dune. Like we said at the top, and Enemy is the one that is probably the most, for lack of a better term, art house. It is the one that is more reliant yeah. on. You know that art yeah. house mentality that 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 the, the like the deep colors, the slow moves, the, the 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 character performances, and like the the more like kind of um, subjective themes it's, and stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we'll we'll get there when we talk about these movies more when we yeah. get to them in the series. But I I do feel like Prisoners and Sicario, also all of his movies, but Prisoners and Sicario. I think the reason why they're so good is because they they do maintain that like art house feel. Yes, but I do think out of the three in that kind of like middle trilogy of movies before Arrival, Enemy is the most because it's also like kind of like yeah. the it feels like the more the most intimate, right? So maybe that's why it's, why it's that way. It's that so it's, it's that idea of subjective really big, of but. subjectivism to overall theme. Like it's like in prisoners, yeah. like it's kind of hard to miss what that theme is. Like that movie is movies about one thing. Yeah. It's about and, a few things. And in Sicario, <laughs> the same. Like I think it's kind of yeah. hard to miss like what he's trying to say in that movie. It's pretty out there. Whereas in Enemy, yeah. you're just kind of like, so are you talking about like uh, chicks or what? identity or like what do you what do you yeah what do you even you get like, to the end of that movie i, I remember i was talking i mean to that and that's mine. why i'm kind of getting yeah. to it where it's like mm-hmm. you could argue you could argue that prisoners and sicario have the same amount of kind of art house subjective thematic qualities as enemy does but i would say that if you talk to anybody about enemy odds are you're gonna hit somebody who's just like yeah, but that ending, that last shot, what does that even mean? You know? And it's like, yeah, that yeah. last shot. And it's yeah. like... That either excites you or pisses you did off. Did you... And we'll <laughs> talk about this more specifically when we talk about yeah. enemy, but like, did you know what the last shot was going to be 
when yeah. you watched Enemy? Because I no. know a lot of people no. watched uh, Enemy after Arrival and Blade Runner twenty forty nine had come me, out. Me too, but I didn't. I didn't. But know. you didn't know and what I it was. was. Just like me too. Yeah, and it's like when I watched it, I was just like, "Oh fuck!" Like it's 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 an insane, yeah, final shot that just. Fuck, dude. I actually just... I feel like I almost just broke my arms, like, kind of cringing at it. Um, it's one of those things that... I talk to a few people, it, they, don't, they don't like the movie because of that that final shot. They're like, what the fuck does it even... Good. It's like, what the fuck does it even mean? Great. Fuck it's them. Like, great. Fuck them. Yeah, good for you. Fuck <laughs> them. Like, that's Get fine. Get the fuck out of here. Cool. Go watch you something else. You. Totally cool. Bet you're awesome to hang out with and talk to. And I mean that sincerely. <laughs> Bet you it's great. You don't like that? Go fuck yourself. Don't talk to me about the movie. Talk to me about Big Lebowski or something else. Other good Some movies. Like. That's yeah, totally cool. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite things about Maelstrom is also kind of like uh, it's like weirdest narrative device, which is like the talking fish. That like oh, It's so good. It's so good. And it's, it's I love like that that's, shit, that's man. not a spoiler because it like. It starts out like that. That's kind of the narrative it's framing like the first, of the movie. The, yeah. yeah. And it like it never quite and like one of the things I love I, I love about it and and one of the things I love about just like older indie movies is that like you know they'll present these ideas that are kind of it's like you you can find the thematic resonance of that fish and why it fits into Maelstrom, but like it doesn't fit perfectly. It's just kind of there well, and he's just kind of there doing the talking. That's what I makes like it that. so special. It's it like, makes it, it so makes cool. You yeah. work. It work. It fits magnificently. Yeah. You know, like it's when you start getting place. into the idea of like, you know, I don't want to get not e- it's not easy, you know, and I that's what's cool. About I don't want to get into spoilers specifically, but like the professions of some people that come up in the movie all line up into why we are listening to a haggard a fish, fish that's about to <laughs> just be like decimated. Tell a story. Yeah. It's it's a. It's an amazing kind of like fairy tale ism. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. The movie is is very cool, and and it's uh you know it's just seeing Denis kind of like just you, you can kind of see like August August thirty second. It's like he's trying to maybe tell like this romantic story and trying to communicate it that way. Maelstrom feels like he's kind of fucking around. Yes. He's kind of just like, yes. all right, so like, I'm trying this, I'm trying this now, I'm going to see what this looks like, I'm going to see what, how this works, and it like, works to great effect. Like, it's very cool. Like, it's just a very cool movie. We could say a million times over, we recommend that you watch these, but like, Maelstrom is, is fucking cool. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what's going to be the hardest part about talking about not just these two movies, which... <laughs> That's been the hardest part about talking about these two movies, but also his next two movies, which a lot of people haven't seen. Because obviously, once we get into like prisoners and enemy and arrival and all those things, like we're going to start talking about spoilers and being more specific on the movies because they're more popular. But it it becomes really hard. This is something that we that we hit in uh, the Carpenter uh, show where we were just like. Are we just going to be gushing over every goddamn movie that this guy makes because it's just luckily, so well, interesting? Luckily, we did get to the point where we had we to got, We got to some points, but like I, I, will, <laughs> I would say, too, that we are much lighter on... First off, his biggest flops 
we're kind of like I really like those. Like, in, uh, like Memoirs of an Invisible Man is a movie that no one fucking likes. And and you me, and I were just kind of like, kinda you cool. were like, hold on a second, come on, like, like, look, yeah. this thing's not fucking great. And honestly, no, I wouldn't even argue that it's, it's good. And if you didn't it's like not. it, I get it. But like, you're right. Look at these it's things going fun. on. It's pretty it's good. I mean, like, listen, I don't take everything so fucking seriously. I can't watch Memoirs of Invisible Man and be like, this goofy shit's kind of cool. Like, yeah, that's it. You yeah, know, I don't know. But even we're like, not uh, just critics; I, we're artists in our criticism. Well, we're just like we, we just paint with a broad man. brush. Like, some some of us are freaks and like Starman most th- more than a lot of his movies. I mean, Starman's a fucking a great f- movie. Yeah, Starman fucking bangs. And listen, we're not so insane where it's like, listen, we watched Ghost of Mars and that one that took place in the asylum that my my brain aggressively it's every day pushes a little bit of it out. Yeah, the word it's no almost, good. It's almost the word gone. no good. Go yeah. to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, those movies suck ass, but. Uh, yeah, that was cool. And the thing is with uh, Sweet Denis and where the series goes, um, doesn't look like it's going to get too bad anytime soon. So no, no, I I, I, got, I, I will say bangers. that uh, one thing that I wanted to get out about Maelstrom that I think is one of the most um, the biggest takeaways that I that I had from it, and the thing that really made it like you know the, the thing looks fucking good. Everybody's yes. acting great. The stories and the themes are all coalescing perfectly and being executed in a way that I can digest and enjoy as a viewer. This is something that's going to happen probably in all of these movies. I can't speak to the next two. I've heard they're great. So probably I've seen all the other ones and I know that he's very good at doing that in all of those. But um, we're going to get repetitive I think in 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 all the episodes talking about like this guy knows how to visualize theme and really fucking make yeah. things look cool and also really knows how to make you feel like shit but also not feel bad about it. <laughs> well, it's the, not like it's not thing, as fruitful as Carpenter because it's like Carpenter's career is so like peaks and valleys well that that it's kind of a different thing that we talked about it's why we picked Villeneuve is like it's kind of the opposite where it's like he kind of just starts out and he just he just goes up and even if you don't like Blade Runner 2049 or Dune you cannot argue like those fucking things are worth talking about for a little bit yeah even even comparing contrasting to to Nolan like we've been doing like you know Nolan has a few more movies so by kind of virtue of that, maybe he has like more like objective, just like, well, this movie doesn't really hit as much. Well, yeah, his authorship really Denis has a know. break in there where he does like a lot of yeah. short films. He does a lot of like um, collaborations and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which like eventually we'll probably cover at some point, yeah. like in the same way that we want to cover, you know, mm-hmm. Carpenter's like. Yeah. Shorts and TV stuff and everything like that, but 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 even but. even no even Nolan though, like you know his his worst movies are like I mean they're pretty fucking cool, <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. It's like yeah. if, it's, if Interstellar is like a dude's worst movie, it's like guess what? It's like Interstellar is pretty cool though. Like, yeah, um, but that's fine. But I did want to say about Maelstrom. Yeah, all of that aside, the fact that you can say everything that you can you can say everything about Maelstrom that you can say about August 32nd on Earth and every other Denis Villeneuve movie. They look fucking great. Thematically tied. 
uh, fantastic performances, um, just overall good. Uh, the thing about Maelstrom that really stood out to me, that really kind of made me stand up in the middle of the movie, not literally because I was sitting down on my couch and really enjoying it and was being very cozy, um, is that the god the goddamn thing is so fucking precise and quick and wastes no time it's yeah. it's not boring at any moment and that's that's yeah. something that you know august 32nd is uh, has a little bit of stuff going on and to my memory arrival and probably the the worst thing that i can possibly say about arrival is that when i watched it the first time it was a little meandering um, and sure. that's something that gets thrown at Denis Villeneuve a lot is like, especially with Blade Runner and Doom, where it's like, Doom, so, yeah. Yeah, quick, go, go, hurry up. But the thing with Maelstrom is that this goddamn thing is, you know, 87 minutes long, uh, doesn't hit its main thematic, like, like, plot like point. crucial arc, like plot point until yeah. maybe minute. Bleh, 62 where it's like there's, there's <laughs> yeah. not a whole lot more to do um and i think that that really allows for it to like you know the, the way a movie works in just the same way that a story around a, a campfire works is that as it starts you're learning about the world and mm -hmm. you're you're trying to figure out what it is and as you're learning about the world you're learning how should i be taking in the information that i'm getting am i about to be tricked is something going to scare me? Is something going to change? And as you're like, you know, the product of a good storyteller is being able to, you know, like weigh out these little dollops of information in a timely manner uh, in the film community. We call it pacing. And Maelstrom really has some of the best pacing I've seen to my memory, in Denis Villeneuve's oeuvre, the Denis Villeneuve, um, because that's a thing, and, and I wanted to bring it up because when I watched it, I noticed it. I was like, I am never feeling this movie. There is enough going on, but also at the same time, not enough going on at all times where when something starts going on every minute, boom, you're in. You're connected yeah. and they keep changing it and moving it and doing it where you're always connected and into it. And then they change what the movie's about, like, you know, fucking three times. And it's, um, it's gargantuan. It's so captivating. And that's a thing that I, that's a negative criticism that I feel like has been thrown at arrival and on movies that Denis done arrival blade runner and dune where it's like the pacing's not right it gets kind of boring here arrival's the only one that i've ever felt that in but i've only ever seen it the once and i do not agree with that with blade runner and dune because go no. fuck yourselves hell yeah but maelstrom is this kind of like this is a movie that he made you know over 20 years ago 
that is utilizing pacing in a way to be able to execute a phenomenal change in story and a change in theme and almost a change in genre. The movie always kind of follows in the same genre of what it is. It's kind of like a dramatic thriller all throughout with hints of dark comedy, but it it really does kind of morph into a romance at the end, right? Like in that third act, like it does kind of yeah. turn into not even a romantic comedy or a or a drama in the sense of romance, but like the the third act is like a romance. It is it's a wooing well, it's, and, a, it's and an acceptance. She, yeah. It's it's how she um if, if anything, the movie has a really long denouement because the way mm-hmm, mm, mm. she meets that character ends the conflict of the movie. Yes. And then she has to kind of now that but she it creates a new conflict. Kind of, yeah, it yeah, creates yeah, yeah, a new yeah. conflict. Yeah. So yeah. it's like kind of like, you know, the movie has like a really short first act and just like the entire movie is almost the second act and then it has a climax yeah. of her meeting this dude. And then it's kind of like the rest of the movie is just kind of like you're still dealing with like narrative flags, like narrative, like, like conflict and stuff like that. Cause it's like new ones have arisen, but it's, it's, it's just like a prolonged kind of like rest. It's like a prolonged, like, well, how does she deal with this now? You know? And, yeah. it, and that's like really cool. And like, it's even in, in the Denis movies I've seen, I've never really seen him mess with narrative structure that much. If anything, like his other movies, like he arrival it's, it's, is a little like that. Arrival because Arrival little, does yeah. like the weird flashback stuff and everything sure. like that. But like it has like a it has like a slaughterhouse five esque yeah uh, dealing with time by nature. Yeah, but like yeah, I mean in terms of like a storytelling perspective, you don't really see him venture too far off from like typical screenwriting. No, structure. he he does it very you know? very linearly in maelstrom while also kind of revealing things like in the moment um that's kind of the same thing with prisoners which like i'm so excited to talk about dude once we get to these fucking movies out there like there's some of my favorite movies I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be like hot take style where it's just like, all right, we're going to talk about full sports. I mean, 20, point, uh, so you better just fucking watch 2049 it. was my favorite movie of the year uh, when it came out. I think it was your second favorite behind Last well, Jedi. Because I was Last Jedi. I was Last Jedi. Was Last Jedi. Yeah, boy. Um, Dune is on my list pretty high. How's it? Did it hit yours? It's it's high. As he nods, he nods yes. agreeably. I yes. think I think Story Screens movie of the year is either going to be Inside Dune or Green Knight. That's what I think. Interesting. I would not have picked the other two. Green Knight was the one that I was like, that's probably where it's going to land. I feel yeah, like I feel maybe Inside won't. I just know I, I know don't you, know me, like, Sophia, and D fuck with it. We do. And inside is, I'm about to be hyper. Do you think you're giving it the most points out of all of us? Probably. Um, That's crazy. It's I. I don't want to feel a little hyperbolic on the statement. I feel like inside is a movie that, in the same way way that we were just talking about it earlier in the episode. Yeah, it might not. 
come to the concept of like, oh, you could you could use that. You know what I mean? Like, not that the people are yeah. that are not picking it are like stupid or anything because they're not. They're all awesome, very beautiful people with amazing hair. Um, it's just I think that it's something that like the, the goddamn thing came out in February. You know, yeah. it's it's the same it's the same thing about like Judas and the Black yeah, Messiah, the- Minari, Nomadland. Yeah, these are twenty twenty two releases or twenty twenty one releases that. See, um, you're having the opposite problem. You're in the new year. That's what's I'm funny. already That's in the new year because I'm like, you're I'm starting to get it, fucked man. up. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like trying to figure out like where I'm at with everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Definitely like it, uh, having, to, when you're making these lists, you have to kind of struggle with like recency bias, which is another yes. reason why like, like things like Letterbox is really useful because you kind of can like tap yes. into like, oh, this is how I felt when I watched this. It's, I remember it's a, how I felt. This is my like, first year with Letterbox. It's, it's why, a game changer. It's so, it dude. It's so really good. It's, is it's why movies like uh, it's why like Nine Days made it on my list because mm-hmm. I read my Letterbox review. Just Nine like, Days is on days my list fucks. too, man. Nine Days fucks so Nine hard. Nine Days of is course. just like a special fucking movie, man. It's yeah. so fucking special. You know, a movie that I probably would have forgotten about if it wasn't for Letterboxd? Sparks Brothers. That's an early one too. Yeah, that's like wildly March, right? good movie. Like, and as a documentary, yeah. it's just like that's like one of the best documentaries I've seen in the past ten years. It, yeah, it must be that must be taken into account when creating the list. And obviously, I get a little bit more leeway because I I have a top twenty as opposed to a top ten, but I watch more movies. So leave me alone. I, was saying, I didn't watch a hundred movies. Yeah, I watched exactly. a lot of movies. Yeah. But I didn't watch 100. I'm not going to ask you to tell me how many movies you watched for your top 10. That's yours. That's your business. I don't know. How many movies did I watch? I don't know. How many movies? Are you looking it up right now? I'm going on. I'm, yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm going to tell you. Should I talk about something says, else? Uh, while it you're says doing I watched. Uh, are we done talking about Maelstrom? We're probably done talking about Maelstrom. Do you have anything else you want to say about it? Uh, Maelstrom fucks. It's really fucking good. You should you guys watch, should it. watch it. You and should watch it. There was something else that I had uh, in my notes, though. I only have I have dash everything and I don't have dash any, everything. Yeah. OK. And I'm trying to figure out what I meant Specific. by that. Um, actually, I kind of like just saying that because that's kind of elusive in the same way that the movie is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You put licorice pizza. Did you put licorice pizza on your list? Uh, don't ask me that, and we'll talk you, about it later. Uh, I like Lucas Pizza Man. That movie's good. Great. You didn't like it? I did. Yeah. Didn't love How it. How much did you didn't, like it? Not that much. Didn't love it, didn't, huh? Not that much. Ah. Not that much. Really? Thought it was. I mean, well, th- well, you like? But you liked it though. I liked it a lot. Great movie. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but okay. it's me too. This is a little bit more of a hotter take that I wish to reserve for the website um, oh, because I do okay. believe that Licorice Pizza is going to hit my top twenty, but be only because I have a top twenty. Um, okay, it won't be in your your T ten. I can't imagine. But again, I don't. I don't 
relegate anything like it's until not, well, we get I mean, there. It's we'll see. We'll see like how it like kind of lines yeah. up. But I wouldn't imagine oh. it would be. I with licorice pizza, I really liked it. I found myself more connected with one of the main characters more than the other. And every well, time one of them's really good. Yes. And every time she is the one character was on screen without the other character, I was kind of like, I don't care. Um, and that was about two thirds of the movie. So I, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Here I am. Um, you know, a movie I was bummed that I also took off my list. Uh, mm. John in the hole was on there for a while. You know, I still haven't seen it. It's good, man. I don't know if it would make it on yours, but it's good. This is the thing where it's like I'm getting to the point where I have to create a list of like, I must watch these by the cutoff date. And I hovered my finger over John in the hole for quite a while. I don't think it's a must. I think you would like it. It's like a a Lanthimos movie. It's really cool. But I don't know. I actually kind of like that. I'm gonna put it on there. I'll, I mean, listen, I'll man, watch that movie, it. I'll movie, watch it before, but like you know, yeah. That's that why I don't. Banks. That's this yeah. is why I it's don't. Cool. I don't. I don't like. I have my top five kind of in my head, but not in what order. I kind of know what my top yeah. five favorites are, but I don't start figuring out like what do I cut, what do I leave, or anything like that until I've, as you said, closed the gates. Yeah, I mean, for me, I started list like six months in. And then, like, some movies, like, it's not like, oh, I I found a movie I really like more than number 10. Like, sometimes, like, number 10 stays the whole year. But another movie comes in, I'm like, that movie has to kind of do battle with number 7. Because this is a really good other number 7 movie. And And that's how I kind of do it. This is the thing, is that I treat it like a battle. Yeah. Like, as I start putting them in there, I'm like... Who will survive between these? If and M- Malignant had to lose to a good movie yeah. because I fucked with Malignant so hard and it had to lose to something really yeah. good. I, Small injury I've been, I've been hold- had to lose. I've been to holding back my Malignant uh, comments uh, for a while now. Uh, that well, m- you said I, you you told me you you like the movie, but it um yeah yeah. That's, I like that movie and it and it's great and it's dumb and it's dumb yeah no one hundred percent like yeah. that's what it is yeah I don't think anybody anyone who tells you that they like Malignant and they think it's a super smart movie oh, yeah, run just, away from that person because they're gonna try and chop you up into wrong. pieces <laughs> they're trying to trick you into something they're gonna murder you Malignant dead. is an insanely dumb movie on purpose and it's a masterpiece yes yeah yeah yes. I fuck with that movie. Um, you, did you watch Small Engine Repair? I did. I like that movie a lot. I like that movie a lot, too. I thought it was really, yeah. really, really fucking good. Hell yeah. I thought it was <laughs> really yeah, fucking dog. good. I caught it super late, too. You got to caught, catch it at the theater. I, I, caught, I caught it early. I had yeah. to watch it on my dumb... Dumb screen projector, which oh, is essentially the same size as the, the, lar- the largest. Yeah, in terms of like how far it's you are, like the same it. fucking like the size. same thing. Yeah. Man, um, good for you. Love small engine repair. Okay, uh, <clears throat> one more, one more movie each, and then we gotta, we gotta close it. Oh, okay. Did you fuck? Did, did you I watch, fuck? Uh, the, did you fuck? Did you watch the humans? I did. What'd you think? 
a really fucking cool movie. Uh, Dude, I fucking loved it. Would would have loved to seen it live more. Yeah, it kind of is like that yeah, type of I movie that. that makes you go like, "Fuck, I would have loved to have seen this live." Very cool movie. They, though. they Very do. Cool. They do do a really good way of they like, do good shit with the, the visual, way that like, they yeah. adapt yeah, 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 yeah. it to yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah the visual language i just of it for I, me, I just feel the like stage play that's so cool uh i just feel like the themes and everything that they're portraying in it probably would have hit me a lot more if it was all just stationary you know it's it's i also yeah. watched it um i watched it thanksgiving day and like you know claire and i just hung out with their families and then reconvened and we were both just kind of like, that was fine. Yeah. Um, and then watch the humans all just like, this is good. It's like, good. It's a good family. fucking movie. It's, good. it's it very good. well made. It, just, it, hit, it hit nice on a Thanksgiving evening. I'll tell you that. Insane performances. Uh, Amy Schumer oh, yeah. is still just, um, you know, lackluster, but affirmative. It's fine. <laughs> um, which actually like that. I was wondering what I was going to say as my last one, too. But this is actually really good. Um as a yeah. counterpoint to that, because uh, I watched Mass. Um, Mass? Mass. It's Fran Kranz. Uh, it's his directorial debut. Fran Kranz is the dude that played the hippie stoner in Cabin in the Woods. Oh, okay. You know him, because I know you I love do. Cabin in the Woods. It's his directorial debut. Um, Ooh, this looks weird. It is <laughs> fucking great. And wow. the reason that I bring it up in contrast to The Humans, because The Humans was a play that was turned into yeah. a film. Mass is a film that feels like it was a play or a screenplay or like a like like based off of a script of a play. It was a screenplay. And it <laughs> is not. And it is not. Okay. But because so kind of intimate, it, like- it takes place primarily in one setting with just four characters – talking to each other, all performative driven and doubt is in it of Handmaid's Tale and Hereditary Fame. Uh, yes. Jason Isaacs is in it of um, I don't know. Harry Potter. Potter fame, if you want to say that. He's Jason Isaacs. He's, these are people. These are human <laughs> beings. Um, you want, if you want to say that. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's extremely you watch the movie and a lot of the reviews and reactions that I read about it are – it's a great movie. It's very good. Yeah. And a lot of the reactions or reviews that I read about it were like, it feels like a play. It should be a play. It would make a great play. To which I, I respond, yes, sure. But in the way that the humans takes a play – and inserts a camera in there in ways that makes you feel like, oh, I'm getting a little bit more out of this. Sure. Mass would not, the why mass it would lose something. It would. Yeah. How mass is so that. successful in what it's communicating and doing is the editing and where the camera placement is choosing to fix on, and that's all yeah. directorial, and that's all Fran Kranz, and that's why. It's easily one of my favorite movies of the year. The fucking that's, movie that's how is feel. directed and edited like a goddamn beast of a thing that you that's want cool. to cuddle and nurture. You're just like, I, I want Fran Kranz to make 
so many more movies after watching this. It's 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 great. Oh, I definitely gotta check that out. That kind of reminds me of like. Um, are you gonna watch it in time for your list? No, uh, the, the polls are closed at the time of this recording. Um, you mean the it reminds gates? Me of, like, the gates. Days. The gates have been shut. The gates, the gates I'm are sorry, closed. The gates yeah. are closed. <laughs> it reminds me of like nine days. Like when you watch like nine days, you're like, I feel like this could be a play because it's like small. It's character driven. Yeah. But it has so much to do with, with cinema, with space, and surroundings. With, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where it's just like you know, you some wouldn't of get the same out of it. You could copy yeah, it on stage after the fact. Like you could, you could, you could create a space that looks like the end space in nine days without getting spoilery. Like you could, you could yeah, recreate yeah, yeah, yeah. that on stage, but. Especially with things they do with like projections and stuff and like stage yeah. performances now. There's yeah. a lot you there's a lot you could do in a nine days stage adaptation. But there is something about not there is something about nine days utilizing the power of cinema where it's just like it, it is it's it's so much also about movies, I yes. feel like. It is about yes. watching yes. That's, things. That is so much what that the movie was is the about. one thing that I didn't know going into nine days and if it didn't have that I still would have loved the movie and it would probably still be very high on my list. But the fact that it has go figure movies that involve the love of watching movies and cinema get you somehow. They get me. They get me. Yeah. <laughs> they get me. Uh, I just watched all the Lord of the Rings again recently. Oh yeah. Fucking awesome. Are we talking about that now? No, I just wanted to say it. Okay. Just wanted to What's there. your favorite one? I'm proud of myself. Don't fucking I really like Fellowship. Man. It's the fucking best one. It's the best one. It's stop. kind of because well, they're all together. Stop. Stop. They're all stop. together. It's the they're best all one. Together. They it's are, so cool. and that's why Fellowship's the best one because it's at the beginning. It's the one yeah. that sets everything up. I think I, I honestly think that they're all like masterpieces. They all have their thing that's but it's, better it's than. Just, but it's like the, they than get, any of the they others. They get yeah. worse in some ways. Like uh, they, they don't get, get worse. It's such a it's such a demeaning way to describe those movies. Yeah, they don't I get think worse. If I was they, to order them, they fuck, have diminishing now we're returns. Talking about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I know. On this. Fuck it. Uh, if they don't want to listen, they're whatever. not listening. They turn it off. They can turn it um, off. It doesn't matter. The reason, I think it's Fellowship, the Two Towers, and The Return of the King. That's the way it is. It's, it's, <laughs> Those it's, are the, it's that's the order. in the progressive order because as it goes on, it becomes more enamored with itself. Not in a bad way, but like it, it by the nature of how the trilogy is doled out predominantly – they by necessity they must become enamored with themselves as a movie yeah the two towers cannot cannot uh you know linger on fellowship as much it can linger yeah. on it a little bit but not too much and that kind of like brings it down and the return of the king needs to linger on the two towers and the fellowship a little bit, but not too much. But it's got two to linger on, so it kind of transcends on. Yeah, I think you know, like Fellowship of the Ring is uh, one of the best movies ever made. I mean, the the thing is, all three of them are three of the best movies ever made. Yeah. But if you had it's to like when people compare talk them about, against each other, honestly, like, and this kind of brings well, it back, it's like when people talk about Dune Part One not having an ending, and I'm like, I just want to be like motherfuckers. 
I was when in you the left fellowship in the you. theater with Fellowship of the Ring. Okay? And that thing was um was w- w- the name of the movie was The Lord of the Rings. They never said the Fellowship of the Ring in the trailers. They never said the Fellowship of the Ring like in like the marketing. We knew we knew you we were going to go ones, see right? the Lord At of the point? Rings, and when it ended, I remember all of you guys being like, "Wait, that's it! I can't wait for the next one." And that was twenty years ago, and now you're watching Dune Part One happen and they're all just like mm. ah. I think why? I think that there's I think there's a few we're, differences we're, we're, even though we're, I agree with you for the most right part. Now. I agree with you for the most okay. part. But I think the few differences are we knew all three Lord of the Rings movies yes. were filmed back to back. Which is also like I think why they're so devoid of well, you audience that feedback, which is why that. they are good. Most people didn't you know, know is that, that Sure, I guess that's fair. I mean, they came back like each nowadays. Year people are out, a right? little bit more aware of stuff like that, but like generally, yeah. no. I feel like there's some people that think that people are like people are a little bit more aware. It's like, well, Sony owns Spider Man, so like yeah. they have to do this, and like, oh, Disney buying Fox means X Men will go in. Like some people know that, but like people don't really know. Like Dune Two was not filmed, you know. Yeah, but we didn't even know. I think even me, who's plugged in to this kind of stuff, it wasn't even known that we didn't like Dune Two wasn't greenlit. No, it was not. It was, it was just like yeah, like it's like we hope we get another one. It's like yeah. Well, the fuck, a few days later, they're like, ah, we're making another one. <laughs> it was just like well, no, right, I know. I around, remember guys. on our on our Doom podcast, we were like, <laughs> I hope they make another one. And then like the yeah. day we posted it, it was like. They're making another one, and we're like, ah! it's like phew. Yeah. But the thing is, also, it's like you know, they make Dune two, but like, you really need Dune Messiah, Dune three to kind of well, that's, actually tell that's that story. What you, that's what you want to happen, and it probably will. Yeah. Dune made a shit ton of fucking money, man. Yeah, even for being dual released, right on HBO Max at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I do. I genuinely like you hear this get thrown a lot with like mega franchises that come out. I do think I think Dune's going to be the next Lord of the Rings. Like actually not just kind of mm. like it's big and costs a lot of money. Like it'll, I think it's like it'll take, when you watch it'll Lord take of the, Rings, the second one to see that. Yeah. Because like you need that to happen. Because yeah. some people got burned by Dune, man. Some people didn't like it. You know, we'll see. It's, it's, yeah, it's but I feel going like back to the Matrix. Really like you did. think about that. Like, yeah. where it's like the Matrix came out. People were just like, fuck yes, in, inject more Matrix into my ass, please. And then they were like, the all Matrix right, had- we shot the Matrix Reloading Revolutions back to back. Here's Reloaded. Everybody went to see it. Yeah. People were like, I don't like it. Revolutions came out six months later or so. And it has... The, the difference between people going out to see Reloaded and Revolutions is like... Dude, it's like one it's of the, it, it's one of the the biggest gaps in um you know like uh sequel, box office growth sequel to sequel kind of like what yeah. happened it was like over half you know so so if it's like you know like ten hear, million people you. went and saw Reloaded less than five million went and saw Revolutions because sure. people were just like gay you know I mean in, in, a, in a derogative need- way. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in a cool way. Like when I, I saw Reloaded, I, I went gay and like in a good, in a good positive. Way. I was like, this shit's super fucking gay. This is great. I love it. And then revolutions I, happened. I was like, it's even gayer. And then resurrection comes, and I was saying. like, oh my god, it's almost too gay. Almost, almost. but almost. Uh, almost. You can never almost. be too gay. Because I'm no, woke it's a hard lines walk. Fuck. I I am scared of you. gay people, but it's absolutely yeah, don't fine. Don't let them. Don't let them near me. It's I'm terrified. No, 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 no. I am. I I can't wait to hang out with them at all times. One day, stop them right <laughs> I'm now. I'm afraid. Love gay people. Um, <laughs> fuck. Shit. Matrix. <laughs> Matrix. Uh, is an interesting comparison, but I do think. Because Dune has source material it's based off of. Yeah. And I think the, the problem that The Matrix kind of ran into was that the ma- the first Matrix movie was in development and rewritten and worked on for years by the Wachowskis. Dude, they, they had and that then, thing like storyboard. Literally, the quote is that's how they storyboarded sold it. They, they storyboarded the whole thing out. To be able to they, make it, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the next two, they had to kind of like do it and it didn't have the same and, and, meditative and resurrections is it. a reaction to that very yes. much but i do think in terms of like the lord of the rings comparison mm-hmm. of like having something that's like i i think i think a there's so many comparisons between two a seminal moment and i also think that like lord of the rings until it was adapted was heralded as the unadaptable text you cannot make mm-hmm. a lord of the rings mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. until it was and dune was the exact You're same very thing. You right. yep. not make a Dune movie. Yep. And then it was. And those movies, when you watch Lord of the Rings now, a masterpiece, it's obtuse. There's so many proper nouns getting thrown at you all the time. Gandalf has five names in the movies. They call him a different name every movie. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. And and Dune is the same way where it's like, it's, it's pretty obtuse. It's a lot of proper nouns. I get, but like, I get what you're so saying. So many people fuck with it. It's 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 lingering with me a lot better right now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. uh the more removed we become from like because we did the 20th anniversary of uh, Fellowship of the Ring screening. Yeah, at which sparked the theater, which sparked me rewatching them. And yeah. it's just like all of the issue. I've watched these movies practically every year. Like mm-hmm. around Christmas, like I watch those movies every year. Um, and as you've gotten further and further away, uh, I've never had an issue with Fellowship. It's an amazing movie. I've never had an issue with Two Towers. I think it is in some ways superior to Fellowship, but never would actually break like, is it better then? Because it's it's the origin. The Two Towers yeah. is the empire. Um Yes. But Return of the King is the one that's always kind of sat with me in a way where it's like, I have issues with it. And as I've gotten like 20 years away from it, I'm like, nah, those issues don't matter. It's fucking good. Yeah. You know, like as you're removed from the expectation, it becomes easier to just go. Yeah. They're all of one piece. We won't really know if Dune is the next one of the rings for another 20 years. Yes. After that, it has That's what I was getting you know, at where I was like, well, yeah, the, the, the yeah. second one to come out, see how people react to it. And then you can kind of place it against Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Like, does yeah. it have the, the possibility of being the next Lord of the Rings? Yes. That's 100% 
what they're going for. That's, that's what, what they, that's they're, what they're trying, trying to do. To do. It's, yeah, it, for sure. It's fucking Warner trying Brothers. Trying to, to Dune. That's what it's the doing. same fucking company. They know yeah, what they're they trying to go for. Yeah, they're like, shit. Yeah, I mean, we don't have Spider-Man. We don't have Iron Man. We don't have any of this shit. People seem to not really like our DC stuff. God damn it. This sounds like... Cool. Yeah. And then, you know, it's cool that Lana Wachowski got to make a Matrix movie that's just like, they're going to take it away from me mm-hmm. the first chance they get, mm-hmm. and we will see that movie, the Matrix movie where they take it away from exactly. her the first yeah. chance they get. And it's going to be that's, like, all right. Oh. At the end of the day, all of the amazing things that Matrix Resurrections does, which I will cherish and love for the rest of my life, the one thing yes. it does is that Lana Wachowski is no longer beholden to Matrix. If they take it from her and they do whatever they want, they can do whatever they want. And hopefully those movies are good and they will kick ass. But if they're not, and if they do, Lana made her statement movie, which was, this is where I'm at. And everybody else go fuck themselves. Yeah, you know, suck on that. Yeah, I mean, in our lifetime, we will see a Matrix movie that has been taken away. Yes, in our and lifetime, will, yes, like, and it will they be will, fucking. Weird. They will make another Matrix movie within the next twenty years. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's gonna be weird for us. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And honestly, on Apple Podcasts, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts goes so far for us in exposure. Just do it. Just do it real quick. You don't even have to like it. Just click it. Like, just think of it like a like an April Fool's joke. <laughs> Boop. And you just do it. Boop. You don't have to leave a review. Uh, you can also. Yeah. Ooh, oh boy. Wow. Excuse what? me. Sorry, mm, everybody. Mamma mia. Just having a good time. One? Just having a good time. Yeah. Um, uh you guys uh also if you're in the uh Beacon Fishkill Wappingers Falls Poughkeepsie area, um uh Hudson and Packard is a great pizza place uh to go to. That's where I just went and that's why I burped. Uh and you can also go to storyscreenbeacon.com. Which is a great place to listen to me and Robbie and a bunch of other people talk about a bunch of nonsense and also read a bunch of stuff (laughs) people talking nonsense. (laughs) It's good. Um, I honestly, honestly, if if you have made it this far into this podcast, uh, just want to tell you that you're a real special person. You're real good. You're real good. Thank you. Because not only do you care about the opinions of the people that are talking on here, you care about the context. You're in there. You're in there with us. And we are people of context on on this show. We love just getting in there. Um, Nom, nom, nom. And uh, we're uh, releasing this episode to the public, but the rest of the show, Polytechnique, Incendies... Prisoners, five dollars. Enemy, uh, Sicario, Arrival, five dollars. twenty forty nine and Dune. $5. That's all going to be in the exclusive content page, which you can get for five dollars. 
If you go to our site, starscreenbeacon.com, become an exclusive member. Uh, you're going to fucking love it. It's going to be awesome. The five bucks goes directly to us. It helps. Yeah. It, it helps. Uh, what's your name again? I'm Robbie. Hi. Robbie. It helps Robbie really keep his hair in order because um, before we started doing this, Robbie's hair was like very greasy, very matty, very like kind of like slicked oh. against his head. Oh. And uh, oh, yeah. ever since we've uh, started up the uh, the process, uh, seems like the boy can uh, afford some L'Oreal conditioner because it's it's fluffing up. I don't I don't use I don't wash my hair that often. It strips the necessary oils out of it to keep it looking nice. And after that, be sure to get vaccinated because it's very important. And we will catch you next time. Get vaccinated, if, especially if you want to see movies at story screen. You should just get vaccinated and it takes care of the oh, earth. Or you should get vaccinated. Yeah. You should also just fucking... Unless you it. have any uh, indeterminate health uh, provisions in, oh, in yeah. that way. No, we respect that. Uh, that's if that's the sense, then, you know, you should get some fucking, like, protein molecules. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing these days. Uh, everything's bad. Um, but thank you for listening to this episode. That's too long, but I liked it. Peace! My name is Denis Villeneuve. This movie is a documentary about my subconscious. I was looking for a perfect image.